Well, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we continue with our Bible study series in this uh, in the Apostle Paul's epistle to the Romans. We're on our third study uh, this evening. Last time we looked at Paul's opening salutation and the, the many truths which uh, it taught us. And uh, we also considered his longing to go to Rome and and we thought about the reason why he was detained and, and how providentially that worked out actually for our spiritual blessing and, and, and the, the, the blessing of, uh, of countless millions down the ages who have the, this epistle to the Romans because he was uh, detained, because he was able to, to write this wonderful epistle with so much gospel light, light and truth. So no man, woman or child shall be in doubt about the true way of salvation because it is so clearly seen in this epistle to the Romans. We also considered his love for God's people, his heartfelt love for the brethren and his uh, desire to be uh, with God's people, his active intercessory prayer life. And lastly, we also thought about that great declaration and affirmation of the faith in verse 16 and 17 that the just shall live by faith in Christ and this evening we'll be thinking really about something which ought to be an integral part of every gospel ministry and really it's not by coincidence that this uh, right here in the, in, in, in the first uh, chapter of Romans Right alongside justification by faith, we have alongside it something of the understanding of who God is, uh, something which is, is very much left out in much gospel ministry today. And in particular, it, it focuses in on God's just wrath, his just anger against all ungodliness wherever it comes from yes from the heathen world from the gentile world paul the apostle paul has in mind here but also to the gentiles who had the law um, but also were found uh, in idolatry the apostle's aim really here is to prove what we've already learned about justification by faith in christ and his righteousness by revealing something of man's sin nature uh, and how uh, and how God's wrath is just against all sin. And so let's begin with verse 18 where it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath, the wrath, the anger of God here is always, as we know, a holy and a just anger. It's not like man's anger. So we must distinguish again that the, 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 the anger, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Ah, when we get angry, we often get angry for the wrong reasons. We often get carried away, even if we're right uh, in, in our in, in getting angry, it often leads to, to sin. Uh, but God's anger, God's wrath is always justified. It is always holy. Uh, God's holiness and justice demands that he must punish all sin, all ungodliness, all unrighteousness. Not one sin that has ever been committed from the beginning of the world right up until now can be gotten away with. Every single sin must be punished. And it is either punished, we will either be punished for it, or of course, it is, it is, as we know, it is punished upon the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're in Christ, we are justified. But God must punish all sin, else he would not be a just and a holy God. And such anger, we are told, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. All man's sins must be dealt with. Not one can be gotten away with. And man is unrighteous because he is ungodly. Um, he is unrighteous because he is ungodly. That's the order we see here in verse 
18, the vertical commandments, our responsibility towards our maker and our responsibility towards our fellow man, ungodliness and unrighteousness. And how, may you ask, is God's wrath revealed from heaven? And remember the context uh, that we're talking about. We're not talking about Christian chastening. There are plenty of passages in scripture that actually deal with uh, loving and tender, tender Christian chastening, which uh, uh, is a good thing for a Christian to go at times under Christian chastening. Those to whom the Lord loves, he, he chastens uh, every true child. So we're not talking about chastening, we're talking about God's just wrath upon all sin, all ungodliness, his judgment in, 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 in that respect. So how may you ask is God's wrath revealed? Well, firstly, it is revealed through the light of conscience. God speaks to us through the light of conscience. Uh, as we know from Romans 2.15, the law is written upon the tablet of our hearts, is upon our conscience. We, we, the animals do not have a conscience. They'll rip up one another, not a problem. Um, but we have a conscience, and we can either listen to that conscience or we can ignore that conscience. But God has put it there, and it is the alarm bell of the soul, as it were, convicts us of our sin. And we, we have guilt, and uh, we are to respond to that guilt, and we are to seek our maker. And so every time we stop the mouth of conscience, we literally stop the mouth of God. Uh, every time we do not listen to our conscience convicting of our, of our sin, of a, a sinful thought, a, a sinful luster, uh, a, a God-dishonoring thought, a, a deed, whatever it may be, a bad motive, uh, if we ignore those, those sins of conscience, we literally are ignoring the voice of God. Christians respond to their conscience and they take it to the Lord. And they know of the Lord's forgiveness and help and, and blessing. So God's wrath is first revealed through the conscience. Ungodliness is disregarding your maker. Uh, it's the vertical commandments. It's every man and woman's child's responsibility to our God, our maker, the one who sustains our every breath, who shall, who's a father of lights, who gives us everything that we have. And so not worshipping him for who he is and giving him the glory, we see this un ungodliness, his wrath is against all ungodliness, not giving God the due to his holy name and all unrighteousness. And that, of course, is violating God's holy laws meant for our well-being. And if one does not worship God for who he is and makes light of his holy laws, they are literally holding the truth in unrighteousness. And what's that that's talking about? And you will know of this, as I, I do, before I was converted, I was holding the truth in unrighteousness. I was suppressing the truth. I was opposing the truth. Uh, the truth surrounding me of God's creation, the truth, the, the inner light, the, that constitution that God had writ in me of my conscience. Uh, I was holding that truth within me of God's existence, of God's attributes, that there's an almighty, eternal, powerful God, suppressing and opposing that. And I knew it. I knew I was in rebellion. We don't have to come up with all these clever apologetics <laughs> all the time. What people need is that they, they need the gospel. They need the full counsel of the gospel. And they need that which comes alongside the gospel. They need to be told about the character of who God is. Um, this is what the Apostle Paul is laying before us here. And so God's wrath is uh, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth, who suppress it, who oppose it uh, in unrighteousness. Now if a man continues... To suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness, if he continues to ignore that alarm bell, as it were, that siren that God has put in the conscience. Remember, that's the warning bell, as it were. That's the, that's the siren. And God 
Uh, it doesn't afflict willingly. He gives us plenty of time and space to, to repent. He's ever so patient and tender. But you see, if one continues to defile conscience and to, to, and to turn their back on God and walk away from God, their maker, and that, that and this was me, friends, for many years, that, that then if, if, if man will not listen to conscience, then the Lord will actually punish actual sin in various ways. He's got various ways uh, of punishing sin. Remember, we're not talking about Christian chastening now. People will actually begin to feel the misery and the consequences and the effects of their sin. And we have the long list here. The, the effects of moral evil and rebellion from one's maker have consequences in their life. The, the violent man will often be violently set, set upon. The, the sexual sin, homosexual sin, often comes with diseases. And uh, those who are given to substance abuse uh, often it ruins their faculties and they're, they're given to greater lusts and pitfalls in life. So, so people will feel the misery and consequences and effects of their sin. They're, they'll be given over to this reprobate mind. And if consequences and conscience be continually ignored, God will visit us through sharp providences. So sudden disappointments, uh, dreams and schemes, ruined, plans ruined, as it were. And if the unregenerate man continues to unjustly oppose the truth of God and continues to live in sin, then they, they of course, are in great danger of eternal and eternity without Christ in hell. Verse 19 says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Man knows that there is such a thing as absolute right and wrong. He knows deep down that there is an, a, a God, an, an almighty God, an all-wise God. He knows that there's right and wrong, good and, and evil. He knows that there's a heaven and a hell. Uh, man deep down knows of all these truths in, it, in his natural constitution that God has written within him. Now the Apostle Paul does not mean that man knows everything that may be known concerning God as manifest in them. He's not talking savingly, but he's simply saying that, that God has given such a knowledge of himself as given to render any person inexcusable inexcusable such a, a knowledge of god has man given that renders him inexcusable the the natural man before conversion we know from ephesians 2 is spiritually dead yes but they're not entirely dead these verses prove that the natural man is created is created with some understanding of god their consciences testify to this fact. And Romans 2.15, as I've already mentioned, confirm this very fact. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, their meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. And also Acts 14.17 confirms this truth as well. Now it's, now it's not only conscience that testifies the existence of God, there is more. Verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God's creation testifies not only that God exists by that which he has made, by his handiwork, which could not make itself, but also that God's creation declares his eternal power and his Godhead. That is, it declares and testifies to man that who God is, God's divine nature, his, his divine attributes and his deity. Every man that 
has ever existed, verse 20, from the creation of the world, despite what they will tell you, despite if they say that they're an atheist or their stubbornness, they know deep down that God exists. They have an innate knowledge of God, not savingly, but sensibly, as it were. And this is written, like I said, within every man, woman, and child by God. The creation that literally surrounds them speaks of God, speaks of God's eternal power. It is, it is God who made us and not we ourselves. It is obvious that there's an almighty power and genius uh, behind all that we see. It is God who made the world and all things therein, Acts 17, 24. And as we read earlier, Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The, the heavens speak to us, do they not? They speak to everyone. They speak to everyone of God's existence. And not only of God's existence, they speak. Creation speaks of his attributes, of his character as well. They speak of God's almighty, eternal power of his, his wisdom, that he is all-wise, all-knowing. He is, he is infinite in his understanding. Proverbs 3.19 says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, and by understanding he has established the heavens. Well, all of creation speaks of this almighty, all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing God of, of whom we have to do with. Psalm 139.15 says, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Who can fathom the infinite mind and genius behind the seeing eye and the hearing ear and the pumping heart? You have uh, the best surgeons in, in, the, in the world that are in awe of these things. The best pump, uh, as it were, the world's ever seen. Uh, it is an infinite, almighty God that has made us and made all things around us. God's faithfulness, of course. Creation, uh, God's creation speaks of God's faithfulness. We think of Lamentations 3, 23 and 24. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Every morning we wake up and we have the light given to us, the light that strengthens the world, that makes everything grow, as it were, the light that guides us so that we can get on with our work and our responsibilities and our duties. God is faithful. And he gives us the seasons. He gives us the, the light. Every rainbow ought to be a reminder of God's faithfulness concerning his promises and his judgments and his words. You see, all of these things in creation, they testify to something of God and his character and his attributes. Creation speaks of God's love, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Matthew 5, 45. Well, time does not allow me to, to uh, go through all the attributes God's sovereignty and mercy and immutability is never changingness and his omnipresence and so on but to a certain degree deep down and that's why sometimes when you speak to some people on the street they say I do I do believe there's something out there there's something out, out there they know deep down that, that, that there is an almighty, all-powerful, holy, majestic, unseen God of whom they have to do with. I knew this before I was converted. Um, all they really need is for us to bring it to the surface, as it were, and to speak the truth to them in, in love. No man in the end will be able to plead that he is ignorant of God's existence. No man will be able, able to say, well, I'd... I'd, no one told me about this. No man will be able to say, well, I didn't know I was going to be held responsible for my actions. They are without excuse because God's creation has revealed to them that God's existence and God's holy character and his wrath 
against sin through the conscience. And so God's works openly testify that there exists an an eternal, powerful, majestic, unseen, holy God of whom we all have to do with. And it is upon us, it's written in our constitution, our natural makeup, that we must seek this God. We must seek his forgiveness. And yet man, knowing this, unrighteously suppresses the truth, holds it down, pushes it down, opposes it openly in his life. And this can be done in many ways, distracting those faculties, desensitizing ourselves to the things of God. Deep down, man knows the truth about God, even the judgment God, man knows deep down that there's a day of reckoning and a day of judgment, verse 32. But he exchanges this for what he knows to be untrue, verses 21 and 23. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping and creeping things. To not glorify God for who he is is literally treason in the sight of God. It is treason. It is it is it is the highest crimes upon nature as it were the highest crime of nature it is betraying one's own creator and maker for a foreign power for one who will do you evil do you do you will send you to hell as it were and who, of whom you'll influence others to do so it is it is it is a, of the highest possible crime to reject one's maker to Betray uh, them for this foreign power. What are the fruits of such treason? Well, unthankfulness is one of the fruits, the bitter fruits. People become unthankful towards God, even embittered towards God. And this is what we're seeing in the West. Are we? Well, we not biting the hand that feeds them, uh, as it were, daily living off God's bounty and not reverencing him for for who he is for the many daily gifts and blessings which he showers upon us as it were and so we see the bitter fruits of unthankful of all unthankfulness and of course such treason against one's maker and one what knows to be true deep down in their hearts always results in a misuse and abuse of one's God-given faculties and senses and members as well. The mind and the imagination become vain because they're set on empty, earthly ideals, Hollywood ideals, instead of heavenly riches in Christ. And so degenerate are the sons of men plunged into this mire of sense instead of faith. Their hearts become darkened because there's no light, as, as it were. There's no light of the gospel. They become completely desensitized. And we're seeing this now, nowadays. That's one of the Satan's greatest ploys, as it were. Make sure that you're always using your senses for worldly things. Pressing duties, entertainments. Make sure that you're always got your head plugged into your phone. You're always on social media. You're always on YouTube. You're always listening to music. You never have time to, to be still and to consider your God, to consider your, 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 your maker. And so when the, truth, uh, when the truth be continually ignored, so falsehood and foolishness Rule in, in, instead in the mind. The natural man's heart's highest allegiance is given to the creature and to what he sees concerning man's works. Such men would, we are told in verse, 30, in verse 22, profess themselves to be wise, but in the sight of God 
They are fools. Yes, they may have vast amounts of people in admiration of them. Yes, they may have attained great academic honors. Yes, they may be flying high technologically. But in the sight of God, they are fools. They are like that rich man in the parable, aren't they? That thought he had all this world's security, as, as it were. He had, he, had, he, he had all these things in place, and yet the Lord said, This night thy soul will be required of thee. Then whose things shall those things be? And you've given your heart to those things, as it were. Um, and as it says in Psalm 73, their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than the heart could wish. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Man does not want to retain the truth of God because he wants to be God of his own life. I will be like the Most High. I will ascend up to the heavens, as it were, like the devil, as it were. I, want to, I don't want God to rule over my sexual mores. I, don't want, I want to be independent from God. I want to do what I want in my life. And such wisdom, friends, that glorifies man's works over God's is great folly. And the apostle refers to this in verse 23 when he says, And change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now, of course, uh, we know that the, the Apostle Paul is speaking largely here of the heathen world, of the, of the Gentile world, but also we, we must also think the Jews were guilty of this idolatry as, as well. We think of the golden calf, uh, which they worshipped, and much image worship that we see now, nowadays, uh, corrupting, like our brother has recently uh, explained to us, bringing God down to man's level, uh, as it were, and corrupting the, the true worship of God, worshipping God on our terms, as it were, not on, on his terms. And our brother Terry and I recently on the doors, and this one lady, we went to this one lady's house, uh, knocked on one door, and it was, a, it was an Indian lady, a, I think a Hindu lady, and... Um, and before we started speaking to her the gospel, um, we point, she, we, she, she pointed to, the, to me to the statue, huge statue she had all lit up in her hallway of some Hindu god. And she said, that's who I, that's, she pointed, that's who I worship, that's my god. This, this elephant looking thing with all these lights on it, that's who I worship. Dumb idols that have ears and they cannot hear and eyes and they cannot, they cannot see. Corrupting the worship of God. Well, we go from bad to worse in the following verses. The, the inevitable consequences of suppressing the truth, opposing and suppressing the truth in, in unrighteousness. Verses 24 and 25. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Well, here we have the, the solemn truth over those who continue to walk away from God, who reject really the author of nature and the light of conscience. They're given over to their own hearts, lusts and desires. And that is one of the most terrible things a course that can ever happen uh, to, to, to someone when they continue to ignore conscience they continue to go down that road and walk and turn their back on their maker and upon his laws and then upon his salvation then we see the inevitable effect, effects because God's spirit will not always strive with man we see this as it were this giving over to a reprobate uh, mind given over as it were to uh, one sense and I, and I can put my hands up and I could actually say that before I was converted I really felt this downhill motion in my life um, I was brought up as a Christian uh, but I, I very much felt 
uh, my spiritual life going downhill. The Lord was saved my brother Jason, my mum, my sister, and I had all these witnesses around me. And I thought, I thought that I'd never cross certain lines and barriers in my life. I saw, for when I was in my teen years, I thought I'd never ever cross that line, that barrier in my my life. But I, I, I went way beyond those barriers, way beyond those barrier, barriers. I was being given over, you see. I continued to ignore God's revelation in my heart and the conscience and in, in creation. I continued to ignore those things and my condition got worse and worse. And it's, it's the same to varying degrees to anyone who is outside of Christ. One becomes enslaved to their ungodly desires. And they may be a very nice person. They may be incredibly polite and nice, but they're still enslaved to the creature. Uh, Their their horizon doesn't go above the the earthly, the creature. Uh, And of course, the, the poor rebel sinner reaps the consequences of turning his back upon his maker. Without divine restraint, man is left to experience the evil effects of his own heart's doings. Unrepented, ungodly desires, appetites, habits have not only spiritually degrading effects, but also bodily effects as well. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonour their own bodies between themselves. A corrupt tree bringeth forth corrupt fruit, doesn't it? It can't bring forth good fruit. And it encourages others to go on the broad way. In fact, that's, that's, that's the, the whole thing. If, if there's more people on this broad way, there's more I can justify my sin. I know that's how I felt. I, well, other people are, are, are doing this. I, I'm justified in these things. Verse 25 shows us that men by nature love that which God has forbidden. Man's love for sin means more to him than his love for the truth. Man loves his sin more than he loves the truth, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. Remember Hazahel in 2 Kings 8.13, he said to Elijah, remember Hazahel was Elijah, the king of Assyria's, Assyria's uh, number two, prime minister. He had uh, bad motives. He wanted to be king. He wanted that power, as it were. And he said to Elijah, But what? Is thy servant a dog that he should do this great thing? Elijah said, I know what you're going to do to God's people. God has showed me how you're going to treat God's people. How you're going to tear them open and you're going to do all these wicked things to their children and their wives. God has showed me to, he's revealed that to me. And he's saying, what? Am I such a dog? Am I such a creature that I should do these things? You see, he didn't understand his sin nature. He didn't understand his own heart by, by nature. Hazahil loved the creature and therefore he acted like a creature. He acted like a dog, ripping and tearing and devouring God's people. And you know, you know, if you look back in history, I'll just mention one occasion, you think of the, the, that Columbine shooting in America, that famous shooting where you had these two young men on the rampage, these two young men uh, in this Columbine shooting in America in the school. Uh, they had emblazoned upon their shirts natural selection natural selection they were there were children of school teachers in that school that they were been taught you're just a creature you're just an animal just live for the animals stronger survive that was hammered into them as it were by their own parents uh, from that young young age and what did they do they acted like an animal they acted like a creature uh, 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 as uh, as as it were when men love themselves and their own works before that of their makers, God gives them over to unrestrained affections for, for sin. And this is what we see in the remaining verses, verse, verses 26 through to the end. 
For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. And we really see this long catalogue of evil uh, affections, evil, which represents the bitter fruits of man's depraved and rebellious nature. We see sexual perversions which not only go against conscience but also against the natural light of God's design, don't we? The natural, the natural course, men with men doing that which is unseemly and getting the just recompense to their reward and how the Church of England and other churches can, uh, can justify blessing such wickedness is beyond me. You know, I think when you get to that stage, uh, you can no longer call yourself a church. When, 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 when you bless such filth, which the word of God so opposes, you can't call yourself a church anymore. You're no longer, you cease to be a church uh, in, 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 anymore. As the Old Testament history of Sodom and Gomorrah testifies, a nation that is filled with sexual perversions is, an, is a nation that is ripe for God's judgment. And we are ripe in this land. All those uh, LGBT and transgender flags, it's everywhere. It's in the corporate world. It's, in the, it's all in our inst institutions. We are ripe for God's judgment. And the only thing I believe, like Sodom and Gomorrah, is the remnant of God's people. That's the only thing. Like the French Revolution, I believe, if, if, if there was to be an exodus, God would visit this nation with judgment. If, if God's people were to, the remnant were to be, to be, uh, were to be chased out, as it were, or to, to, to flee, God's wrath would be upon this, this land. Uh, we are ripe. We are ripe for God's judgment. Verse 28 uh, 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Well, friends, the natural man simply does not want God in his thoughts. And so God gives them over to a reprobate mind. And like I said, that's one of the worst things that can ever happen. Just being governed by how I feel just being governed by my natural in animal impulses, as, as it were. Well, I, I just, I'll act like an animal. That's what I'm being told by my television. That's what I'm being told by society. So I'll act like an animal. I'll just take and devour and get what I want and, and step over that person if I need them. Um, I'll just do these things, as it were. I'm just being governed by my feelings, by cultural norms, by cultural pragmatism, as it were. And that's, like I said, it's one of the worst things when one is given over to this reprobate mind. A mind without divine restraint, a depraved and corrupted mind that does that, that, does that which is always mixed with unrighteousness. Always mixed with unrighteousness. Man is more ready to embrace evil than he is to embrace God's revelation. And we must think the word reprobate here almost always in scripture has in mind metals and the trying of metals in terms of silver and gold. We think of Jeremiah 6, 6.30, reprobate silver shall men call them because the Lord have rejected them. You see, a reprobate mind is like fool's gold. It's like impure silver, which is always mixed with earthly ideals. It's always thinking upon earthly things. It's of no value. It's like the chaff, as it were, that will be burnt up. It is rejected as only fit for the fire and not the kingdom. Titus 1, 15, 16 uh, speaks of this in terms of false professors where it says, unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. If you're living with a defiled conscience every day, in other words, if, if every day you're not listening to your conscience, you're living with a defiled conscience, there's no true heart of the Lord, no true repentance, then it, it's very clear that one is not yet a Christian if they, if, they, if they do not have a sensitive conscience to the Lord. They are listening to the, the silent voice, as it were, 
within. Verse 16 says they profess that they, uh, oh, this is of one, uh, Titus 1, uh, 1, 16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. Well, such is the mind of the religious and the irreligious who are outside of Christ. Satan and his satanic influences have been very busy in ensuring that worldly minds are kept on, on those things that are not convenient, that will not profit them eternally, that will not profit them spiritually. Many people at this moment are literally laughing and entertaining themselves to hell every day. It's just a big joke. Uh, again, this was me. You know, you get into a circle. I found myself getting into a circle of friends and all that they wanted to do was watch stupid, silly movies and play TV games and go out drinking. And people are just wanting to... Do, it's all about just having a laugh all the time. Uh, even even uh, senior citizens, the ones who are supposed to be more grave and serious, even they're given over in our culture today. It's, it's a disgrace. Or, or the West really is, 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 become, is coming so far down the line. And so many people at this moment are literally laughing and entertaining themselves are, are to an eternity of hell. Every day is filled with a plethora of duties and distractions, all satanically designed to drown out conscience and to des desensitize the faculties, to use our faculties just for duties or just for earthly things. To not think upon God, to not appreciate God's design, to not appreciate all that he's given, to thank him, to pray to him, to give him homage, to seek his face. And that's why in the open air, we are often hate, hated so much. Because all we're doing is we're bringing to surface those things which have been suppressed over years and years of being desensitized. That's all we're doing. We're just bringing them to surface. God has revealed it to them. They know that God's judgment is upon them. We're just bringing them to the surface. And that's why we're hated. That's why, that's why you can get someone from the Muslim faith preaching. They don't have a problem. But when a Christian there preaching about these things, they hate it. They do not want to be reminded of the gospel. They don't want to be reminded of the truth. And that's why we have to carry on. Despite what people say to us, despite liberal Christians coming up to us and saying you shouldn't be speaking about God's wrath, you shouldn't be speaking about God's judgment upon sin, you should just be doing the slowly, slowly approach and just do these things. Well, I'm sorry, I'll trust in God's word more than their words, because forever is the word of God settled in heaven. Well, finally, we see in our remaining verses, 29 through to the end, the sad and bitter fruits of unbelief. Man's actions are consistent with his inward nature. And we see these bitter fruits. Verse 29 says, being filled with all unrighteousness. Being filled with all unrighteousness of course I'm just going to quickly go through these unrighteousness of course is the, the breaking of God's holy laws and it, it being filled with fornication we think of Hebrews 13 4 marriages on, honourable and in all and, and the bed undefiled but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge so fornication is sex without marriage so those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, they're filled with this, to certain varying degrees, they're filled with this mind. Uh, you can even be married and still watching wicked things constantly as habit and thinking upon wicked, uh, uh, be a fornicator in your heart and your mind. Being filled with wickedness, doing the opposite of good, being filled with covetousness. Not being content with what God has given you. Uh, being filled with maliciousness, harboring ill will and enmity towards others. Not forgiving as Christ has forgiven us. Being filled with uh, envy, envying what belongs to another. It's not saying that Christians 
cannot be guilty of falling into one of these. But we're not full of these things. There's not a pattern of these things in our, our life because we've got a sensitive conscience. We're not full of these things. We're not full of anger and murder in our heart. They're repented of. Bitterness is repented of. We're not full of debate, as it were. We're not trying to put the world to right. Uh, we're not full of deceit, trying to ensnare others and have bad motives because we know God sees our hearts and our minds. So we want to keep a, a clean motive, a pure motive before the Lord. Being filled with malignity, like a malignant ulcer, it has a tendency to cor corrupt, doesn't it? Corrupt the good. Being filled with uh, whispers, that is devising mischief, as it were, and, and gossiping behind other people's back, backbiters, uh, slandering, as it were, in particular, slandering those who are absent. Uh, and so these are all the consequences of rebel sinners, of those who suppress the truth, who ignore conscience, who ignore God's revelation. Uh, they become backbiters, they become haters of God, they become despiteful, full of spite towards others. There's a bitterness in their hearts and their lives. They become proud, it's all about them and all about their accomplishments and what they have done in, in their lives. And they belittle other people to lift themselves up. They're full of being boasting and inventors of evil and, and notice, disobedient to parents here. That's on the same line as homosexual sin. You see, God takes all these sins very seriously. Being filled with uh, 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 disobedient parents without understanding. Uh, that is a, a heavenly understanding. Covenant breakers without natural affection. Uh, implacable, as, as it were. In other words, unpeaceable, without natural affection. Killing children in the womb. We, we're seeing this in our society, aren't we? Uh, every day, unmerciful, uh, instead of forgiving. And when man rules God out of his mind and seared conscience, those are the typical effects to varying degrees. I'm not saying that everyone is guilty of all these things, um, but certainly uh, the, the rebel sinner is guilty of most of those things. Sin against God always leads to sin against his fellow man. All moral bankruptcy is caused by spiritual rebellion, by suppressing the truth and opposing the truth in unrighteousness. And our maker is, is a holy and a just God and therefore he must punish all sin, all unrighteousness. God has a holy abhorrence, abhorrence for sin. He hates sin. He has a personal, intense hatred for all sin. He is angry at the wicked every day. And hence we have that concluding verse, verse 32 of God's judgment. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Man knows deep down God's judgment he knows deep down that God is a holy God and he will be judged for these things. All men know that there is such a thing as right and wrong, good and evil, light and darkness, heaven and hell. They know these things. And many uh, suppress these truths because of their love for sin. The many take pleasure in their sin and in the sins of others and justify it, you see. I know this is true of me, and really when you, when you get down to it, it's true of everyone. Men have been shown the judgment of God. Romans 2.15 states very clearly that every man has been given a knowledge of God and printed upon their hearts and their on their consciences. It is part of the, their constitution that God has written within them. A man will not be allowed to, be, to plead, like I said, uh, for ignorance on the day of judgment he will not like I said be able to say well no one told me or I don't know I was going to be held in responsibility for my for my actions he is without excuse he is facing God's fierce 
anger and wrath against sin. He cannot say, I had no idea that God would uh, hold me responsible for these things. And friends, as we know, there is only one answer, and that is to return to God. There is no way of returning except that which is revealed in the gospel. That is the only hope for, for man to be justified by faith in Jesus Christ. In his finished work upon the cross of Calvary. In what he did in satisfying God's divine justice upon sin. We must come as sinners to Christ. There is no other way of returning. There's no other solution as it were. And sad to say much of the Christianity today. They present a different solution. And it's not justification by faith in Christ it's, I, I still want to live in my sin and have this part as well. And you can't have that. You, you must be fully Christ's. Man must receive a new nature, as it were. Man must be born again. As he is, as he is born with a perverted nature, there must be a new nature instilled. A nature that loves God. That loves the things that God loves. And therefore sin must become sin and exceedingly sinful. Sins of the heart, sins of the mind. When grace truly strikes home to the heart, people are convicted uh, of their need to be justified by faith in Christ. And they'll seek that more than anything. Well, I hope and pray uh, that uh, these truths will be cemented in our hearts and that we will bring to surface these when we go out and we witness to people in the highways and the byways and to loved ones, uh, as it were, that God will give us the courage to bring to, bring to surface that which actually many people already know. Uh, and, of course, we need to explain more to them uh, and to explain more fully the way of salvation in the gospel. In the gospel. But, but uh, we don't need all the world's gimmicks and tactics. Uh, let us preach the gospel and see the Lord working a mighty amidst us. Amen. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk